coming up on the show, I go on a date with Jim the Poet. If I went back and saw my younger self, my younger self would be like, all right, wait a minute. You're 40, you're single, you don't have a dog, you don't have a car, you work in a bookstore, you're bald. Like, what is going on, man? Hear what happens when we down two pitchers of cheap beer at a well-known Hell's Kitchen bar called Rudy's. Plus, come along with me on family vacation. Nothing promises to be awkward, so stay with us. My heart is beating, beating like an o'clock. My heart is beating, you can hear it talk. Beep, 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 beep. My heart goes beep, beep, beep. Beep, 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 beep. My heart goes beep, beep, beep. And you answer my thoughts. My heart beats a little faster. information. I'm Andrea Salenzi, filling in for the happy newlywed Benjamin Walker, who's off on his honeymoon now. This is the third in a series of four fill-in shows about dating and technology, and it's been interesting so far. Like what happened last week, when I did a live interview with a dating expert, that's Kira Attic from How About We, and my friend Jim the Poet called into the show. Joining us on line one is Jim. Welcome to the show. Hello, Andrea. It's Jim the Poet calling. Oh, hey. Hello. What's up? I'm enjoying the show. I'm a huge fan uh, of the show. I thought last week's show was unbelievable. I thought your grandmother is incredible. Maybe you could have her on every week. That would be amazing. Thanks. I'm also a fan of your, uh, your guest. She's a great writer and a great blogger. Uh, I just think this is a, really a, a terrific radio show. And I'm, I'm very grateful uh, for it. And I'm a huge fan. Thank you, Jim. Oh, this is really nice of you. And, Jim, and, Jim, help I me mean, to I, name I the show. I kind of wanted to ask you on a date. I, you know, oh. I, I sort of was hoping that you might go out with me. Uh, uh, I don't... <laughs> um, I don't know if that's a good... Let, well, let's get the date... You don't think Let's get the dating expert but, involved. Know, I mean, I'm sort of crazy and a poet. Right, he's crazy and he's a poet. Crazy and, and a poet. And how old are you? I am 40. That may not be age-appropriate. Right. I don't know what your age is. Oh, guess. I think maybe you're 28. I'm 28. Uh, is that real? Really? Yeah, I'm 28. Oh, okay, so I don't wow, know. I mean, that's, I'm, a, I'm a little, you know, outside of your wheelhouse, maybe. Oh, maybe uh, it's a stretch for me. <laughs> but I, I just think you're great, and I've liked you from oh, like the moment so I met nice. you. And oh, then so I tried nice. to make up little excuses for you to like train me in the I studio, know. and then you know. That was like, an excuse. Well, it wasn't. Ex- I actually needed training, and I was like, "Well, who would I like to have train me? Maybe, maybe Andrea. Andrea, the, you know, she's great." That's how. You, that's why you already knew what buttons to press. You were like, "I kind of knew. I kind of knew the whole thing." But it was great hanging out with you. I mean, it was great getting a chance to see you and stuff like that. Um, Kara, how old is too old? If I'm 28. Um, I think that is actually within the age. There's a specific age formula, which I always forget it's in the book i'm looking it up right now but i think that 40 is within the range hmm. i mean it might it sounds like i'm like 40 and a half so is that still okay <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, th- I think that's within the range i gotta say um yeah what, what about like we have mutual friends and well like, like one maybe mutual friend uh, yeah does I mean, that make it different? Okay, so well, I asked him already. I mean, here's I what like, I hey, think. Uh, here's what, what I think. I write in the book about the one-date rule, which is basically if anybody works up the courage or has the gumption to put themselves out there because they still want to go grab a drink of coffee with you or a drink or whatever, then you might as well give them the you know half an hour of your time and see where it goes. So I say... Basically, unless they're a serial killer, and I don't think Jim's a serial killer. I don't killer, think I am. Um, I mean, I'm Everybody deserves sure a shot. Everybody deserves one date. 
Is that true? That's my professional opinion. Really? Yeah, that's true. It's in the book, yeah. It's in the book. I'm going to uh, buy this yep. book because I'm going to show this book to almost everyone I meet. Now. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the one-date rule. It's on page... 47. Well, I listened to last week's show, and I was listening to the guy about all the levels and stuff like that. I didn't want to ask you out, like, on an elevator. Yeah. And I know that radio, you're, you must feel a little trapped, and it must feel a little, a little nuts, too. Well, Jim, uh, if, if we did this, could I, rec- could I record it? Is that terrible? Definitely. No. What are you talking about? Of course. Okay, maybe not. Whatever no- it takes. Really? I'm prepared to pay the price. You would wear a microphone for our whole date. I would, Yes. Of course. What are you talking about? Knowing You're that terrific. I have hesitation. Why wouldn't I wear a microphone? Okay. All right. It's on. We'll do it. This will be great. So next week's show is my date with Jim the Poet. <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> hey. Hey, Laura. It's Andrea. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> Good. I'm uh, on my way uh the state, I don't, feeling kind of weird. Like, really weird. Wait, what's the plan? Uh, well, we're meeting for drinks, but, and he's going to wear a microphone. So the rule is that we're not going to say a word to each other until I have them all mic'd up. And then, uh, and then we're going to have to interview ourselves. And then the date can begin. <laughs> it's the most <laughs> possible way to do a date ever. Yeah, I sent him an elaborate email with all of these these strict instructions. It's going to be a really cool way to get things to be really natural right from the start. That was so my natural. my goal. <laughs> That's how you get real chemistry and get it on the record. So reality TV to be going on a date and recording the whole thing. Do you think there's any way that I could do this and, and not have it feel concise? Well, you know, I don't know, because the thing is, is with first dates in general, everyone is so aware of what they're doing, and, you know, they're very self-conscious. So maybe just adding the microphone is just, like, not really adding another layer. I mean, it's definitely adding another layer, but the self-consciousness is already heightened that I can get my... I I think it eventually will not make a difference. Like, you'll... it, It could not make a difference. So where are you going? Yes. Rudy's? Yeah, 307 paces from your old apartment. Oh, God. <laughs> well, we, heard, well, we heard about Rudy's on the first episode of the show, and, and you told an incredible story about it. Yeah, that place. Well, I haven't been there in uh, in a while, but I hope that they still have the hot dogs. They didn't really ask me how I wanted my hot dogs. I think they just kind of gimmed me and like... I'm into it. Um, there's ketchup and mustard. Ketchup and mustard. I don't know that... Uh, no, I think it could be perfect. This is like the Rudy's experience. It's a pretty nice place, actually. I came here one time. Really? I was like, I forgot I've, I've been to this place. This is the only place when I did that VH1 show. We came in here and someone recognized me from the show. What? And I was just like, oh god. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, you did um, a VH1 show called Undateable. Can't get a date. Can't get a date. It was originally called Crushed Out, but that was just to reel us in because the, the idea was to somehow humiliate us in some terrible way. Uh, but I mean, actually, it was a sweet show. But I think they needed a little edge, they needed a little. The truth can be harsh. But dating doesn't have to be. Can't get a date? Yes, you can. You look more like a poet than you used to. I, I think it's the I think it's the glasses. The, I got them for Halloween. What do you think? Um, That's I, the idea that I, I they say if you wear glasses that you're you're you become ten IQ points higher, which makes me at at about fifteen IQ points. So that you know I don't really need them, but but they make me look smart, and they look kind of like Robert Lowell, Allen Ginsberg. They make you look smart, but if you got them for Halloween and they're not real glasses... Yeah, you don't think that's good? Can I see you without your glasses? But I could get something in them. I could get some sort of infrared or those x-ray specs. They still do those, I think, right, in the back of Band Magazine? It's not fair to look smart um, by wearing fake glasses. Okay, so we, so we don't want the glasses. Okay. Right. You'll eventually be found out, Jim. I like those, though. Did you have a good time making the show? It was the greatest stuff ever. Every young boy's dream is to go on a date on television. And so it was like, yes, I can't believe 
finally this is happening. We're getting it. People follow me around with cameras. Should I watch it? It's a terrifying piece of 30 minutes. I mean, there's a lot of humor in it. But we go to like a podiatrist. Like there's some weird stuff in it. We were keeping my shirt off for like half the episode for no reason. Uh, so I don't know. You have to decide one night if you if you really aren't if you're through with like the orange is a new black and you're looking for a new program. Everybody is watching that show. I haven't I haven't really seen it, but I mean it's about jail, I guess. So you know. Ladies and gentlemen, oh, are they all lesbians? Oh, now I'm gonna watch it. I usually wait until like the murmur about shows wears down so I can kind of just watch something. I usually try to wait until something horrible happens, like I break a leg or I Break like, a leg? Yeah, you know, like I have like a bad weekend, I just need to watch a show. But if things are going good, I'm not That's gonna a watch Break a, a leg is a pretty bad weekend. <laughs> well, I mean, is that happen a lot? <laughs> I've never broken my leg, but I'm saving I've never broken anything before. My plan is break a leg, watch The Wire. Well, like, when I get sick, I'll watch Twin Peaks. Like, I'll say, all right, well, I'm super sick. I'll watch Twin Peaks, and I'll watch it the whole way through, and it'll be fun and weird. All right, I'm just going to talk a little over our date for a moment, just to clarify what's going on for anyone who's just tuning in. This is a recording from my date with Jim the Poet. We went to Rudy's. It's a bar in Hell's Kitchen. Um, got some hot dogs, some cheap beer, and we sat down and tried to get to know each other. Um, you're going to hear a lot more of Jim talking than of me talking. Um, I think that's my editor coming through. I think I just kind of intentionally edited myself that way. Sorry, I know. It's like embarrassing to listen back to the stuff you say on a date. But So it's going to seem like he's talking more than me. That was not actually what was going on. Um, also, one more apology. I think the audio is kind of painful to listen to. It was a really loud bar. And that's just what it is. But if you can make it through, there are some real treat moments in there. And at the end, uh, I have Grandma Phyllis listening live, and we're going to hear her reaction. So stay with us. I thought it would be cool because you get off time, time off of work and stuff like that, but I never, I never had them out. I had my adenoids out. Like, you know, they used to give kids, like, those tubes in their ears, like, to, I don't know even what they, those do, but, it, like, drain them or something like that. They used to put those little, they don't do that, and they just took out, like, some sort of weird thing, so now I never get a sore throat. Oh, my God, first dates are so painful. Maybe we need to do more of this play-by-play -play over it. So, um, if you post your comments over on the WFMU playlist page, I might add them in over the date. But in a moment, I'm about to ask Jim the Poet why he became a poet in the first place. Which is like, I'm sure it's a difficult question, but how did you become a poet? Like, you call yourself Jim the Poet, where did that come from? Um, well, I started writing poetry in, like, right before college, I guess. I mean, I was just interested in girls, and I didn't, I was nervous around girls. I went to an all boys high school, and it was like prison. Oh, Massachusetts. The like on the North Shore of Massachusetts, there's a town called. Uh, I lived in Beverly, but I went to school in Danvers, at St. John's Prep. And they, I really didn't want to go to like this all boys school, but it was like kind of a super good school. But it's like a boys prison. I mean, it's horrible. You know, you're just like, oh my god, this sucks. And you know, I was like awkward, and I had braces, and I didn't really know. I didn't know many girls. I started doing plays because I. Um, that was the only way to meet girls, and it was kind of cool, you know, you're in a play or whatever. Um, but then I, I don't know, I liked this girl and I wrote a poem, and I, I was like, I always knew I wanted to be kind of a writer or something, but I didn't know if I could write anything like that. And my mom was a librarian. I used to get in a lot of trouble because I would beat up my little brother. So she would be like, well, the library she worked at was like down the street from the school. So she's like, why don't you, you have to come and meet me at the library every day instead of going home and beating up your brother. So I was like stuck at the library every day until like five o'clock and I was like, what am I going to do while I'm here? And I started reading poetry and there were all these cool confessional poets. I thought you had to die, like I had to kill yourself to be a poet for a long time. But they were like all these Anne Sexton and Sylvia Plath and all that stuff. And I was like, oh, maybe I could try to write poems. They're short, so I like have a very short attention span. So maybe it'll be like a, just kind of like throw it all in there. And then I don't know, it like... It got pretty fun. I got. I think I got good at it for a while. 
I was interested in, and I, you know, I think I was always kind of an okay writer, but I, I was interested in, and I really threw myself into it for a while, because it was something I could complete. It was like a project, I can't write a novel, or I can't write a movie or something like that, but like writing a poem is like, I don't know, I sat there and looked at the page and did something, and then, you know, tried to make it better, and then, but then I started submitting. I would submit to the New Yorker, I would submit to the, I would get this book, like the Poets Market, and I would just send all these magazines all over the country. And I never got in any of them. Like, I got, like, I had this whole wall of rejections from the New Yorker when I was a kid. And it was great. Like, I was like, oh my God, it's the New Yorker, I'm going to get in the New Yorker. And I'm like, no, you're still on the New Yorker. But it was like, I was doing that the other day because I was actually mailing a submission for the first time in a long time. Because I usually just, someone will ask you for a poem, you email a poem, the poem shows up in the thing. But like actually mailing it like the way I used to, putting another envelope in, putting a stamp on it, writing a little letter. I hadn't really done that in a long time. It was really fun to do that again. I thought you were having that Katie Weaver, the Gawker writer, on the, and it's, it's the guy who wrote the book about his penis is going to be on the show? Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, that'll probably be, they're still clearing some legal stuff, but once they're done with that, I'll be hopefully be able to interview her. She says there's more to the story, so we'll see. Oh, so Katie's going to be on the show. Oh, good. She's great. She's incredibly funny. And I've never met her or anything like that. Oh, she's super funny. I'm mad at the Gawker, so I can't read the Gawker anymore, because they, I used to do cartoons for them, the... Uh, creepy cats. They were like these clown cats with makeup on, with these little stickers. I mean, I can't draw, so like, it would be like sticker, ketchup, ketchup cat with a little red hat, and then there was this one juggling that I called Clonopin Cat, and they just had terrible adventures of like herpes. It was just awful. Like, it's terrible things would happen to them and stuff. But I used to do that, and so I kind of felt like I liked the site for a long time. And then they they ran the, a picture of Trayvon Martin di shot dead, like in the grass, like that had been accidentally. I was like, I can't. I wrote to the guy who runs the site, and I was like, what What the hell? Like, is this really making the world a better place? Showing... That's not what Gawker's about. Gawker's not about making the world a better place. I thought it was. I thought it was about... No, about being snarky and getting attention. But what is, what, isn't snark supposed to be in the service of something else? Something greater? Isn't there a higher calling to snark? I was taught that sarcasm was the... It's entertainment. It's like, it's like... But there's nothing entertaining about the poor dead kid. Like, snuff picture. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't. I mean, I... It was giant. It was on their big pay. I mean, you didn't even have to, have to click on it. In addition to that, have you ever clicked on something that you didn't mean to and regretted it? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, that's how they get you all the time. Especially Twitter, because people will be like, if you go to like one of those things, it'll say like, oh, here's all this cool stuff that all your friends are talking about or whatever. And it'll be like, 30 awesome Gilligan's Island nip slips. And you'll be like, <laughs> what is the what? And you're like, whoa, wait a, that's not really a, but I, I, about 17, it's like, all right, that's not really anything, that's a monkey. But that's how the internet gets you, it's just baiting you. I always thought that snark and sarcasm were, had to be in, I was like, okay, I'm doing this, I'm making fun of people to make the world a better place. Not like, oh, I don't know, we just have to do something to make a bunch of money and then do it again tomorrow. Yeah, I think that there's like a culture of that of that negativity and also feeling superior that isn't that isn't. But it, can you feel anything. superior if you're not superior? Like, can you actually write from the point of view of like, hi, hi, I sit at a thing all day and I'm really smart and I'm superior, but actually we do terrible things like run dead kids in the rat for no reason. Like, there's no. Clicks, reviews, yeah. So I don't know. I feel, but Katie, I think, is an amazing writer and very funny. Like, actually makes me laugh out loud pretty frequently. So, I mean, like, she's really? pretty cool. Yeah, and like, you have the best guest. You have the best show. It is the best show. It's, I'm just filling in. No, it is an awesome show. What are you talking about? It's, just, it's so much work, yeah. Well, I know. I mean, it must be hard to come up with all the ideas and book all the stuff and whatever, but it is so good, man. Thank you. No, I mean, it's awesome. You're like a pro. But I also met up with, I write for this little website and she's like we have to do a TV show because I met some 
guy who works at TV thing. So she's like, well, what's your idea for what should a TV show be? Maybe it could be a puppet show. She's like, and I'm like, well, I don't really know anything about puppets. No, she's never watched television before. Okay. She just happened to meet some guy. I was like, oh, this will be great. What do you think? And I was like, well, I don't know. Uh, so I came up with this dumb idea for a show about a guy my age, like 40, going back in time to try to help his younger self. So like he's like, you know, helping him out, maybe thinking like he's steering him toward one thing or the other. So I don't know. We'll see if that's, it's probably terrible and no one will ever put it on TV, but. You know, you know, the problem is gonna be finding the actor that looks like a 10 year older version of another actor. Yeah, I don't know how they do that kind of stuff. Cause like all the people who are like brother and sister on TV usually really look like brother and sister. I mean, there was that movie Bottle Rocket where the two brothers played guys that were like not unrelated, and you're like, you guys are obviously brothers. Like, it's not, oh, hey, yeah, we totally, no, where, where are you from? Wyoming? No. No, it's like, you guys are brothers. They have the same nose and face and everything. I don't know how they do. That's like a super hard job casting people and stuff like that. Television show idea in my life. So wait, if you were, if this was a show about you, what would you go back and tell your younger? Well, self? that was. It's based on like the like I had this idea a long time ago. Like if I went back and saw my younger self, my younger self would be like, all right, wait a minute. You're 40. You're single. You don't have a dog. You don't have a car. You work in a bookstore. You're bald. Like what is going on, man? So like my younger self would probably be like, what the hell? Like you really gotta. I don't need the help. You need the help, dude. So maybe the maybe the eight to ten year old part of me would be able to coach me into life changes or something like that. I don't know what I would be able to, like, I would think, like, I don't know, like, don't date this lady, don't, get away from, don't let her sit at the same table as you, get away, like, that kind of thing. But is there, like, a pivotal year in your life where you feel like you steered the wrong way, you should have steered the other way? No, I don't, no, I don't think so, because I'm, like, like, a super happy person most of the time, like, I mean, I, a lot of weird things happen to me, but I don't, like, regret anything, like, nothing too bad happened, or... See, I I think it, I think All right, I'm going to come in over our small talk on the stage just to tell you a bit more about what's going on. Um, Jim is wearing a really nice pink collared shirt that matches his pink Converse sneakers. Um, we're drinking Rolling Rock. I wore the outfit I wore to work, which is like a pretty dress, and we're in this like crowded outside garden full of, you know, happy hour people. I don't know. It was, it was really loud and crowded, so that's why I want to do as much as this as possible. Um, over on the playlist page, we're chatting about this small talk, date talk. People are sharing the stories of their worst e internet dates, which is great. Um, uh, we're also talking about tubes in our ears. I don't know. There's lots going on. So head over to WFMU.org and join in the conversation. And let's hear more of my date with Jim the Poet. Oh, no. Um, no, I mean, I don't think so. I can only write one way. He's, uh, he's telling the story of the time he wrote for GQ about how men fake orgasms. Or Wait, do men fake orgasms? Oh, I think so. I mean, they don't often have to because it, like, takes five seconds for a man to have an orgasm. I mean, they have, like, ten orgasms a day. But it, yeah, I mean, sometimes, like, if it's just not going to happen or if you got to go or, I don't know, you're sleepy, you can always just finish later at some other place on the subway home or something, you know, like something. It's just not that hard. And it's so nice. I mean, like, women are like, if they don't have an orgasm, they don't seem, like, all that bummed out most of the time. They're like, all right, well, you know, first time or whatever, it's just isn't working or... But like guys, you know, like somehow there's some rule that guys are always supposed to have an orgasm or something like that. Like I don't think that's, and they just do most of the time because it's not that hard. I was asking my doctor, I was like, I need some kind of new, like I need to exercise or stress release. And she's like, well, you should take like a Mai Tai class or something. Like I was like, is my, isn't that like the Brazilian murder game? Like what are you talking about? <laughs> In this game, yeah, in this part of the thing, you just crack the neck like that, and the guy's neck goes like that. I'm like, what are you talking about? I can't do dance. <laughs> I don't think I'll take that course. Yeah. But I do, I, I need a little...
stress relief. Because I just take it out on people on the internet now. I just go, I will choose. Because Kenny, uh, Kenny G, old from the uh, WFMU. I don't get it. I don't no, get no, it. Well, answer. but that's the thing. I'm, it's like, all right, fine. He's on Colbert. If I had watched him on Colbert, I would have felt bad. Because he, he, like, he wasn't prepared, maybe. Because I think Colbert kind of ate his lunch a little bit. Um, and it was too bad, because it was like, dude, like you have to be able to defend this in some way. Because not everyone's going to get it. And although Colbert kind of got it more than most people, like no one's going to get this unless you have a happy personality. I think their audience gets it. I think it's... They actually went in the middle of his thing. He, they went, ooh. They did an ooh in the middle of the thing. When Colbert was like, it wasn't a laugh. It was like a ooh. Like, ooh. There have been hundreds of books written about 9-11. And to my knowledge, nobody went to listen to the way those events were described. What well, maybe they listened to it, but then they did additional work. Well, I, you know. <laughs> but that's that work. You see, artists, artists are dumb. Artists are dumb? Artists are dumb. We do, we do things that you shouldn't do. What I'm doing is too easy for uh, you know, an investigative reporter to do. And by doing something that is that simple. We're uncovering something that nobody else has actually ever thought of, the poetic quality of uh, what was un unfurling linguistically at that moment. Well, you, you, you... But I'm like, all right, I can be a conceptual poet too. So I, I took Kenny's CV and I submitted it as a poem to the New York Times. Or I've been writing receipt poems, so I have like a Dwayne Reed receipt and I'll just type out everything on the receipt. I sent that to Poetry Magazine and The New Yorker. And, so we'll see, you know, if I... What'd you buy at Point Reed? I made the receipt. Uh, like Adderall. I mean, I don't know. I don't think it says Adderall in the thing, but I mean, like, anti-psychotic. Whatever I have in the... No, I mean, not anti-psychotic. Yeah. Do you have all those things? Just Adderall. Okay. And Claritin. Well, a big Claritin. Mm. I like to crack it up and smoke it wow. as much as possible. <laughs> I get allergy Why, shots. Yeah. I get allergy shots like every week, so I'm almost at the end of the allergy shots. What are you allergic to? Everything, it turns out. Like I went, I was like, oh, I don't know, I keep getting something in my eye and it gets bad and I had to go to the emergency room. They go like, go see an allergist. So I went and they do this like scratch test where they like give you a bunch of... Yeah. And they go, okay, well, we'll be right back. And when they came back, it was all like out to... She's like, oh my God! <laughs> This is a, like a nurse who works in an allergy place. So I'm, I'm trying to figure out if you guys think this is a good date or a bad date. You know, we're talking about allergies. Uh, we're talking about work. Um, yeah, but I think Jim's being like a really good um, storyteller. He's being really funny. He's making me laugh. Um, and just to also clarify, he, I was also talking back. I think I just edited a lot of my stories out. So um, let's see what we talk about next. Um, also listening is Grandma Phyllis. Stay tuned for her. Wow. So I'm almost at the end of the shots, I think, for the, and then it, like they only have to do them every once a month for a while or something like that. So okay. see if it's, then I can go like hang out with trees, hang out with dust mites. Leave your pods, that's good. Just pet, pet dogs wherever I want. <laughs> So I was listening to the rest of the show after the thing, and you said you were seeing somebody else. I don't. I hope I'm not getting you in trouble. No. I hope you're not in trouble. No. All right. I got it. I got a complete blessing. Okay. And I didn't even. I mean, we're not at a stage where I even needed to really ask permission, but the fact that he was going to hear it on the radio show, I feel like. Yeah, but that's cool. I mean, I, I figure the guy listens to the show and stuff. I mean, like if he isn't, then you know. <laughs> Heave ho, dude. Sorry, but like, no. I think that's. I think that's cool. I just don't want to get you in trouble or anything like that. Like, no, I, if no. I think if I knew that, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have done anything or whatever. That's not serious. So, I mean, it is serious. It could be serious, but you, we're just like in the figuring it out stages. And well, that's great. I mean, I'm only known cool. for like three weeks, so there's no point. But that's fun, though. Them. I mean, that's the funnest part. Like great. everything else is really hard and terrible, but like the first, the first bunch of things is like so much fun and great. So enjoy the fun and great. But no, I mean, I think the first, I think, I don't know. No, it's like, yeah, you're right. Beginnings are fun and great, but like it's also, I guess we have to decide like if we wanna 
take this get more serious or not and like what do you base that decision on and then like well, that was so funny that like I don't even know how to say her name because I've only said it on the internet but yeah, yeah. the attic Ms. Attic She's like, oh, you just have to assume everyone's dating like six people. It's like, who has the time to do that? Like, I don't know. I like somebody. Maybe I do something about it. Maybe I don't. And then I, I just know. move on to somebody else. Like, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Two guys I dated right when I started, when I moved here, I knew that they were seeing lots of other people. And I was trying to do the same thing, just very unsuccessfully. And it's just like how people go. If you're, if you're really hot and have an awesome job, like that's yeah, I guess, I mean, you I mean, uh, you kids with the hot hotness and the awesome jobs. <laughs> well, no, these guys are both really hot and both had really awesome jobs. Well, that's cool. And one of them would see me consistently every two weeks. So it was like a two, actually, no, it wasn't, I wasn't even lucky enough to have it be every two weeks. It was like every two and a half weeks I would hear from him. And then nothing, nothing, nothing. And I was just like, oh, he's so busy. He's so busy. He has so much going for him. But like, looking back, like, there must have been, like, just like other girl was on a two and a half week cycle and that's all he really had room for. See, because I, I have lots of like women friends and stuff like that, but like, like finding somebody you actually like, you actually want to like put yourself out there and like go on a date with or whatever, like, it's just like, oh God, man, like, I don't know. Yeah, you really put yourself <laughs> out there, it's so nice. I mean, I, if, you were, if you were just dating me to spare my feelings or something, that's very admirable and thank you. Well, dating you because I'm dating my sex group, so I should give everyone a chance. Yeah, I don't know that that's great advice. <laughs> I think that's actually fairly questionable advice. And I was surprised that that's what she said. Me too. I was like, what? Just because some jerk asks you out, you're supposed to at, like go with them? That doesn't sound right. That sounds not right to me. If you're not interested, if you're not like, if there's no spark or whatever, why would you be like, look, just I gotta be honest with you, there's like a million guys in the world and I just don't feel anything and that's fine, like whatever. Like, so I feel bad. I hope the Ms. Addict didn't force you into a situation where you had to accept a date with me on the radio. No, it's okay. And I hope it's a fun experience anyway. I don't know. No, it's, yeah. I don't know. I was, like, excited about us becoming email friends. Like, I like I being email friends with I'm you. I'm fun, like, being email friends with you. I like being email friends. And I, I'm happy to be your email friend. Is it too, would it be too tough we for you to be email? We can't go back to email friends. Why not? Because <laughs> now I know email friends was just like a ploy to get me to go on a date with you at some point. Like, I'm never, no, if you were like, we can't date, just be cool with it, I'd be like, okay, and I could be your email friend. Totally. I think I would just get over it and move on. Really? Yeah, definitely. I have too much respect for you as a public radio professional. As a person I admire. Back to, like the heart of the thing, which is like, can guys and girls be friends? Like, can I be friends with the... I think so. Like, I think when it's like, it's just not possible. Yeah. And then it wouldn't hurt my feeling. Like, I would feel, I went on a date with somebody. And it was like a home run date. Like, it was like, oh my God. I went on a date with somebody. They were age appropriate. It was fun. I came up with a plan. It worked out okay. Like, she, I felt really comfortable. She was really great. I mean, I was like, usually I'll go on OkCupid or something like that and like make a plan and be like, oh, no, I'm not gonna do it. Like, I'm not gonna go. Like, this is too much. Like, I can't do this. And I'll like make some excuse or I'll just be like, I can't go. I just can't. Um, but I did. I went out and it was great. And it was about like the best date I ever had. Like, it was like scriptedly perfect in some way. And then I went away to Maine or something, and she was dating a bunch of other people, and I don't know, maybe she's coming off some terrible breakup, and she was texting for a bit, and then she suddenly has a migraine when we're supposed to go out, and then has the flu, and I'm like, all right, well, this is, this is falling apart. And she's, well, it's okay. I was like, well, that's, well, she said, look, I'm just not ready for anything or whatever. And I was like, oh, okay. I mean, I was actually into her. I was excited about her. But then as time went on and she has migraines and the flu, I'm thinking like, all right, well, it's kind of falling apart. But it's okay. I mean, I'm happy I went on that date. And I don't feel bad or anything. You're right, you're a poet, you put yourself out all the time. I've been on zillions of dates. And expect a wall of rejection letters. I mean, a lot of, too often I used to just like date my friends or like you would go out with your friends. 
don't know, people get drunk, you make out with somebody, and like, oh my god, now we're dating or something. I don't really want to do that anymore. But I, like, if somebody rejected me, I don't. It, it wouldn't be like I couldn't be their friends. Like, I would just be like, I don't know, I got over it. The friendship changes, right? Why would the friendship change? Because the question's still out there. Like the question's still. How is the question still out there? Like, like, if it was like, no, I don't really want to go out with you. Like, it doesn't seem like the question's really out there. And that's okay. Yeah. I liked being. I mean, I didn't ever. It was like a. If I hadn't listened to the show with the guy with the levels in the elevator, I probably wouldn't have done anything. Really? I probably would have just been like, she's great, and you know, she's like young. You no, I mean, like, I thought the guy was a complete quack, but I mean, he seemed like a nice guy. But then I was like, well, what am I so scared of? Like, I mean, I like you, and I like hearing you on the radio. I like, you know, when I was on the radio with you, I was really, thought that was great. And if you rejected me, like, it wouldn't be the end of the world for me. Like, I've been rejected by all kinds of people. I mean, if you didn't want to be friends with me, that's up to you. I don't want to make you have to be my friend or anything like that, but I mean... I think in the past, like when it's just impossible, I mean, the problem is, is that people are too nice or something like that, right? Just like, look, I don't want to hurt Jim's feelings. He seems like a nice guy. And I, but if you're just like, look, man, I'm just seeing somebody or I'm just not interested. Like, I get that. Like, I, there's people who've been into me that I haven't been interested in for whatever reason. I might not, if I wasn't me, I probably wouldn't be into me. Like, I'd be like, who is this crazy guy? <laughs> You met somebody you like. And if you say to me that we should just be friends, then I will be friends with you. I swear to God. Okay. I don't want to not be your friend. I, 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 I see this going towards friendship, but it's not. Like I, I, that's not only because of this other guy. Like the other guy's great. I don't know where it's going. Okay. But I just, it's like, it's mostly the age difference. It's like, that's okay. Big part the age difference. I thought it was a stretch, but anyway. I enjoy, but I enjoy every conversation we have, and I think you're an I think you're great, like, too. I think you're so great. I mean, I'm glad you put up on my nonsense, and you put up, you put yourself out there to do this, too. And, I, and I'm so glad we recorded a date. I think it's going to be fascinating to listen back to, like, how we both are on dates. Like, we're going to learn a ton I think it'll be great. Ourselves. I mean, I think it'll be cool. Yeah. And I'm glad that you have somebody that you're interested in and and I'm glad that I will walk away from tonight thinking like well I like her but she's just not available and I can find somebody else I'm so glad I gave it a chance like also I'm so glad I got to know you for this I'm totally glad too I mean I if you just if I just set you up with this other friend of mine then and ended it there and, and like left this hanging I think it'd be weird so well I just didn't mean to that would never be something I would do. I think if I hadn't listened to that show where it was like anybody with a pair of balls would just ask somebody out, I probably wouldn't have ever said anything to you. I just would have gone on a date with her and maybe it would have been great or maybe it would have been terrible or maybe whatever. And I would just have been like, all right, well, she's young and she's different and she's in a different place and stuff like that. Because I, I mean, for me, I, I like people my age. I mean, I like people who've been through a bunch of stuff or I don't want to be some weird older guy for somebody, I mean, you know. But there might be a time in my life where I'll be looking for weird older guys. I just, right now, I'm trying for... Well, just do what you gotta do. I mean, that's great. And be happy. I mean, if you find guys that treat you, it's so hard to meet people, and it's so hard to trust people. 
and I mean, like, it's terrible to think that like you're dating people who are seeing a bunch of other people and stuff like that. Because you like deserve somebody who's totally in you. Because you're like the coolest person I know. Like, so you totally deserve having somebody be like, oh my god, how did I meet this girl? How is she single? I want to treat her right. I want to be good to her. And what a nice guy Jim the poet is. Um, that he just, I think we both handled that ending really well. Um, joining me for the post game chat is Grandma Phyllis. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Grandma. Well, that was a very interesting uh, little uh, session that you were through and that I listened to. I feel and like I took I've you on a date with me. Taken notes, really? And I've written all over my crossword puzzle. <laughs> you probably solved it this way, right in front of me. Um, he sounds almost old enough to date me. Forty? Yeah, I'm about ready for a forty-year-old. <laughs> he is a big fan of yours, Grandma. He's heard you on our our past Too Much Information shows together, and he is a big fan of yours. So I'll, oh, well, I'll, I'll put on a good word good for you. Taste. Uh, I would find it very difficult if I were dating actively, which I suppose actually I still wish I were, uh, to be having this conversation in a noisy bar. Mm -hmm. I think it prevents a certain uh, intimacy from developing. I don't know. You, you don't. You don't drink beer, but for me, I needed a drink, and I needed. Um, I needed the free hot dogs. It was. It was a good. It was a good space for me, but it makes. It's probably challenging for people as a listener. Yes, it is. You met. And, you met uh, Grandpa I, Saul at a I restaurant. Just, uh, I come from a different era, and uh, I've been on blind dates, and. Some turned out wonderful. Actually, um, that's how I met your uh, grandpa, mm -hmm. your my second husband. Yeah, um, it, it was a blind. Mm -hmm. It wasn't really a blind date, but we, we met, had, uh, met over uh, one uh, thing that I had posted on the, this classified 2000s thing, mm -hmm. and he responded. But I was we chatted a little bit on the telephone, but. I didn't know what I was going to really encounter, and over email and even over the telephone, you can pretty well conceal who or what you are. Uh, and certainly over the internet now, uh, the, these you can lie so easily and blatantly if it's just communicating via email. Yeah, you luckily, don't know who yeah. the person really is. You don't know its sex. You don't really know its <laughs> orientation. You don't know anything other than what they choose to tell you or to invent about themselves. Yeah. I mean, Jim and I were already friends, though, so we already kind of knew each other. It was just this question of could there be more and... Um you know, Ike pointed out on the WFMU playlist that, you know, you maybe you don't need to give everyone a chance. So I made this decision with the advice of a dating expert to give him a chance. And um, it just wasn't I, I definitely wasn't there. go with that. Yeah. Definitely give somebody a chance. Okay. Uh, you don't necessarily have to give them a second chance. Mm-hmm. Because that, well, that happened to me actually just once. Oh, tell me that story. I was just so impossible that I couldn't get away from there fast enough. Mm. It was terrible. Is this and the guy with the ponytail? Supposedly I'm so facile with yeah. my vocabulary. I did not know what to say or how <laughs> to get out of this. Was this the ponytail guy? Who was this? No, no. This was some jerk. Uh, and we'd actually corresponded on uh, the email, the internet, and spoke a little bit, and he sounded way more interesting than he was in person, and he was so full of it. Uh, he was professing to be a vegan, a vegetarian, uh, and yet when he took me to one of the better-known uh, macrobiotic restaurants, he didn't know what he was ordering, and I did. <laughs> <laughs> It was it was rather comical, and then he tried to show off that he could eat his food with chopsticks, and he couldn't. Yep. 
and I could. Yeah, there are a lot of phonies out there, but Jim Jim is no oh phony. Oh, my God, He's he a, certainly was. Yeah. I, I remember him most unfondly. <laughs> <laughs> but Jim is no phony. I think, you know... He's a nice yeah. guy. He deserves to meet a nice girl. Yeah. My, my big question, however... I appreciate the fact that he's a poet and that he has that he has uh, he can use the language, our vocabulary, in really wonderful, evocative ways. But how does he earn a living? He works at a bookstore and a oh, library. He works for a bookstore. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Uh, so he's sort of in a related field. Yeah, and I left uh, out I left out the story of um, how he was fired from the Strand for falling in love with another employee there, and it going really badly. Um, but but you might have but folks folks around town might know him from the strand. I don't know. That's kind of sad. I know. Um, but what a guy. But what does he ask, What would he have to offer uh, anybody in a long term relationship that might lead to marriage? Friendship, I understand. I understood that. A sense completely. of humor. You were very comfortable with each other, and you could talk about a lot of things. And I could probably talk to a guy like that. But where will it be five years from now? Just a friendship? And then he's going to be 45. Mm-hmm. And he's going to have gray hair. Mm-hmm. And then he's well, he doesn't. Have, he doesn't of, have um, a lot of hair, but you know, uh, no place. Yeah. Yeah, so something I, a lot of people have been saying in my life is if you date someone, you'd have to picture them in 40 years, and would you still want to be talking to that person and hanging out with that person in, in 40 years? Uh, that's true. The other, the other thing is it's so hard to envision what your life would be like 10 years from now, assuming that you, you had a relationship that might or might not be marital. Uh, it could just be uh, conjugal. No, that implies marriage, doesn't it? Um, hmm. But you, you just don't know what circumstances are going to be and whether you would stick it out through the hard times as well as the good times, through sickness. Yeah. How and, do you know? Uh, How do you know? Does it always have to be on the light side and everything is wonderful? What's the guy going to do if you were to become seriously ill? Bail on you? I don't know. We talked about illness a lot. He, kn- he knows his stuff. But, um, so you're saying I can't, I can't uh, end up with a poet because he doesn't make a decent living. That's what you're saying, right? Yes. Okay. So this is, this is what that, you think. That, that, yeah. you know, from a practical standpoint, okay. I could see him being a wonderful friend. If he were a poet from a very affluent family, I could almost see that. But you want to have a kid. Uh-huh. You want to bring up your kid. Maybe yeah. not work. I don't know. I'm bringing uh, in all the radio dollars. so Yeah, radio dollars, <laughs> right. So you really need to find a rich poet if I that's know. the direction you want to go. Uh, for myself right now, uh, I, I can't even put myself in your shoes. I just, that's I, not where, yeah, I know, but it's just, relationships go. I have to disagree uh, with you. I think there's so much more to it than, than someone's income, and it's just, that's never been a really high value for me. I just want to throw that out there that um, I think there's something more in terms of live the laughter and the friendship. And like when you married Grandpa Gill, you didn't know if he was going to be successful. You guys were children. You were like you were yes, children. We were children, but I understood that he had a profession in which he would always find employment. Now that wasn't true until almost the very end of his career, yeah. when the engineering field uh, gave out on him. But he was also at retirement age. But before that, uh, I had the privilege of being home after I had my children bringing them up myself, not being able to blame a nanny or a babysitter for any of the deficiencies or problems with my children. I only had Gil and me to blame for good or for bad. And then I had the wonderful uh, ability then to return to my chosen career and uh, uh, change my life a little bit. Yeah. So I, 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 guess I know, but the middle class is so different right now, and it's so it's far away that I just, class? yeah, right? 
Um, I just don't feel like I'm, I'm, I'm given the, the, like, I think when you got married, you're, you would know that you would own a house someday. And like, I just feel like that's very up in the air for a lot of young people right now, but. Oh, absolutely. Our first mm -hmm. house was bought for $14,000 with no down payment. Oh my God. (laughs) Uh, Everything has, has. Oh, I hate wrapping this up though. I'm Uh, so sorry. We gotta go. The apartment I'm living in today, which when I bought it, seemed like it was a lot of money, but. Uh, in the years I've lived here, it has. I know your apartment's in incredible. Oh, I'm so sorry it's to say bizarre. goodbye, Grandma, but I got to start this next thing. Thank you so much. I love you. I love you too, sweetheart. And I, you know, I I want only the best for you and for Jim the poet. <laughs> but it, maybe he knows a nice sixty-year-old. Yeah. Might be interested in. A okay. Very I'm so sorry. I have to go. We're gonna run out of time. I love you. Bye. Okay, baby. Okay, so um, for our next segment, I'm going to be playing a piece that I did for you. It's a story I did for Too Much Information a few years ago on which I go on family vacation to South Carolina um, because I feel like in order to get true insight into my dating drama, you have to know about all my daddy issues. I mean, those things have nothing to do with each other. Uh, I don't know. Okay, here's me from three summers ago. We haven't had the best relationship. The last time we hung out, he spent the night beating a small snake to death with a pool rake. And that's the image that comes to mind when I think of him now. This summer, he invited me on a family vacation to Hilton Head Island in South Carolina. I hope things would be different. So, Dad, what are we doing? Buying shrimp at Barnacle Bills. It's a real tourist experience. Yep. Our first day on the island, I set us up on a little father-daughter outing to a seafood store. I found it on Yelp. I was hoping the reviews would be true, and he'd be really proud of me for finding such a great spot. It's like a shack. The truth is that the only reason I go on these family vacations is that I need his approval. Every time, I hope that for just a moment he'll look over and say he's proud of me. But he always gets distracted. Look at the mermaid. She's topless. Normally mermaids have like seashells or something going on there. When we get to the front of the line, the guy behind the counter is really friendly. Bar- Barnacle Bills is the only seafood market here on Hilton Head Island. We've been here for 30 years. We get two deliveries a day of the freshest seafood possible. We feed many people on this island, including this fine gentleman by the name of Warren. Warren, yes. which is, I assume, my dad. Her dad. Imagine that. Imagine that is right. Yeah. What did the guy think? That I'm his young wife? Because my dad's young wife, my former neighbor, my old hairdresser. She's back at the condo right now, jealous that we're spending time alone together. The guy playing the doors covers turns out to be Barnacle Bill. He puts down the guitar and comes over to talk. So how's the business going this year? How's tourism on the island? Tourism is up a little bit. Unfortunately, because of the uh, disaster in the Gulf, I would rather not have it that way. But people are coming here for the first time, and they're amazed to see what how, how beautiful this island is. Uh, and the beauty itself is unique and rare. While Barnacle Bill was talking, I started to think. His business is doing great because of disaster. And that's kind of like my life. When my family went all Jerry Springer, I got as far away from the toxic filth as I could. And far away from it all, I do great. But every holiday, I start to think that maybe the oil well's been capped. Maybe we can eat the shrimp this year without getting poisoned. Visit Hilton Head, visit Barnacle Bills, among, among many other stuff that's really worth your time and your energy to come down. Thanks very much. As we drove home, my dad turned to me. I think he was about to tell me how much he loves me, how proud he is of me, when... Hey. Where are you? I'm put, turning in right now. Well, I was just reading the directions on your little box of boil bag stuff. That's my stepmom, Wendy. She used to live across the street from us. Used to always gross me out how she'd kiss all of her pets on the lips. Even kiss her bird on the lips. I'll never forget the night she and her husband came over for dinner. And all of a sudden, she was sitting on my dad's lap, kissing him on the lips. And my mom and Wendy's husband just left to watch a movie upstairs. That's when I learned that suburban couple swapping is for real. Oh, well. I guess my dad will tell me all that nice stuff later. 
Sally sells seashells by the seashore. Go. Back at the resort, there were lots of fun events, like a cell phone texting competition. Harbor Town Lighthouse. Done. My brother's girlfriend beat me. <laughs> Good job, Kate. How does it feel? <laughs> I feel like a champion. <laughs> when we got back to the condo, my dad gave my brother's girlfriend a hug, handed her a wine cooler. She was the center of his attention for the night. I thought it was because she won the texting contest, but maybe it was because she's hot. Everyone celebrated my stepmom, Wendy, because she boiled the prawns so well and even removed their shells with her fake nails. I was getting bummed out. The only tension I got was for insisting they leave bacon bits out of the salad. When everyone went to bed, I got to Googling. There has to be something fun for us to do around here. Every time I say on vacation, you say on vacation. That's your job. Let's try it. On vacation. I found a really fun show hosted by a world famous kazoo player. Well, now let's climb into the car. Let's drive down to the beach. We'll cut off the computer. We'll put the cell phone out of reach because we're on vacation. There were families everywhere. Kids were chewing on pizza rolls, smiling at me with juice box colored lips, and giving me looks like, like they were sorry for me, because I was there by myself. When I got home from the show, I proudly showed off my new kazoo. <laughs> but they made fun of me for it, like the next day on the pier. So what are we looking at right now? A dolphin. When did you guys first see him? About a minute ago. If you can't tell, so we're waiting for him to come back. There he is. Wendy hated that I was recording her. You gonna play the kazoo for him? She thought I was doing it to make fun of her. A dolphin. A minute ago. A dolphin. A minute ago. A but dolphin. I am not angry with her anymore. Dolphin about that whole suburban couple-swapping thing she and her ex-husband started doing with my parents. I am not bitter that her ex-husband tried to kill my dad with a knife or that she let all of her cats loose in the neighborhood when she and my dad ran off to Florida. I just think she sounds like a bad Sarah Palin impression. A dolphin. A minute ago. A dolphin. A minute ago. I don't know why I care so much about getting attention and approval from my dad. I mean... He doesn't read books. He hates gay people. He has bad taste in women. He's a jerk. But he's my dad. My dad jerk. On our last day, we all found ourselves at a souvenir shop, and my dad and I walked over to check out a talking robotic pirate that tells fortunes. Oh, hey there. Yes, you. Surrender a small treasure and gain great wisdom. Should I do it? Uh, Is this I think... You? I think it'd be fun. So is this your fortune, Dad, or mine? It's yours. You need a fortune. I think it could be your dad's fortune. The pirate here. Listen to this, your future. For I tell you, it be true. It says, you are a very virtuous person. You are not easily influenced. Your relatives have a great deal of respect for you. Okay, that's oh, a good one. At this point, my dad could have said, the pirate's right, honey. I have so much respect for you. But he said, it's got balls in it. It's a little pirate chest with balls. Yeah, but look at this. They're magnetic balls. Maybe next time. Thanks for the fortune, dad. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that neat, the magnetic balls? All right, that's it for the show today. Uh, we This has been Too Much Information, and I'm Andrea Salenzi. I've been filling in for Benjamin Walker, newlywed, happily married Benjamin Walker, who's off on his honeymoon right now. 
And I have one more show left that's coming up next week. And I got a great email from listener Alex today with the suggestion of making it all about endings. That seems right, endings. Um, So I was thinking about collecting your stories about breakups. So uh, send me an email, andrea at freemusicarchive.org with your breakup stories or tweet them to at andreaslindsay on Twitter. Because everything's got to end, people. This has been really fun. Um, So join me next week. This is WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, WNYX Montgomery, online at WFMU.org, and in Rockland County at 91.9 FM. Stay tuned now for Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. You just heard right there, Pansy Division with Femme in a black leather jacket. Today on the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show, an interview with, from New York City, Mickey Blanco. Right now on the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show, wanted to pay tribute to Zev Asher from the band Nimrod. Zev was a huge influence on me, Nardwar to Human Serviette, and the Nardwar to Human Serviette radio show by his band Nimrod. That's where I first hear, heard of him in the band Nimrod, introduced to me by Keith Perry from Scratch Records. Sadly, Zev passed away and is no longer with us, but I wanted to send this track out to Zev. It is a track by his band Nimrod called Farm Life from 19. 19- 90. I first, again, as I mentioned, became aware of Zev Asher through Keith Perry from Scratch Records. Keith Perry said, there's this amazing band called Nimrod. They're coming to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and they're going to be performing with a porno actress, Maiko Hino, from Japan, because they were based in Japan at the time. I was like, porno? Music? Live on stage? Wax dripping? Yes, there was some wax dripping. What my Yuko did was, well, she was on stage naked getting wax dripped on her. And Keith said, I'll set you up with an interview with Mayuko Hino and Zev Asher of Nimrod. And I've never quite been the same since. Thank you, Zev, 
for bringing such wonderful music and memories to me, Nardwada Human Serviette, and to all others. Nimrod did like upwards of five CDs. Zev was involved in all sorts of different documentaries, musical things, movies. He just was an all-around really interesting character. And I really appreciate, Zev, you having this great influence on me and on Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. So we're going to hear right now Nimrod from Grandson of Ham, track number 13, Farm Life. And please think about Zev and also maybe think about the wax dripping on a naked Japanese porno star and think how you've probably never thought about that before. And that's what Nimrod brought you, thoughts that you never heard before. Here's Zev Asher's Nimrod on the Nardwar, the human serviette radio show Goodbye, Zev. (laughs) 